Okay, hope everybody had a good week this morning. Uh, just want to acknowledge Terry and Dave here from Arizona, kind of through a conduit of some states, including North Carolina and Florida, I think Dave said this morning. So welcome. I know Joan is elated because Terry is here to visit for a week or so. So uh, you want to get up and talk about that? <laughs> I knew you would be. I knew you would be. Okay, so uh, a few months ago, I was standing behind this pulpit, and for two Sundays, we talked about the Beatitudes, uh, the Sermon on the Mount specifically, which I love, the Sermon on the Mount, about three chapters in Matthew. <clears throat> There's so much in there. Uh, but specifically, we talked about the Beatitudes. We talked about how the Beatitudes, in a sense, could mean the be be attitudes, uh, something that we should strive to be all the time. We discussed that we are blessed if we do what Christ says in the Beatitudes. And we also established that blessed here means happy. Happy are we if we do them. And this is what Jesus instructed his disciples and us. Today we're going to continue to see what Jesus had to say after teaching the Beatitudes. But let's read through the Beatitudes as, uh, as a review in Matthew 5, 1 through 12. I'll read and you can follow. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And here is the tougher part to the end of these verses. And a little bit of what we discussed today will all be a little tough, I think, for all of us if we're willing to admit it. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad. Does that make sense to you? Pretty tough, isn't it? For great is your reward in heaven. So let's go back and read that again. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which are before you. So let's let that sink in for a minute. Rejoice and be glad, for great is our reward in heaven. Then Jesus says that the prophets were persecuted for his sake, and we can expect the same. Are we seeing intolerance for Christians and Christianity today? If you're paying attention to the news, I know a lot of people don't like to watch the news. I hear it all the time. I don't watch the news anymore. And you've hear, heard me say before, you better, because I say it to them all the time, you better turn on that news for a few minutes a day 
uh, whether it's the radio, whether it's the TV or the print media, you better know what's going on in the world. You may not want to make it a source of entertainment, but you better know what's going on. Because the intolerance for Christianity today is great. Two things uh, about that. That uh, we are, as uh, Christ instructs us in Matthew 5, verses 43 and 45. Uh, back in the day, the Pharisees had changed things to uh, you know, love your neighbor, but hate your enemies. But Christ changed all that. He said, love your neighbor and love your enemies. Can we do that on our own? Is that even possible? Do you have anybody, and we, and we say enemy, enemy is a harsh word. And that can mean a lot of different things. That can mean somebody that wants to hurt you physically. It can mean somebody that wants to destroy you verbally. Uh, you may have some of those tough conversations if if you're talking about the Lord's kingdom and his work. And what do we do with that when people push back harshly? You know, are they an enemy? In a sense, they are because they're not even thinking about God. They don't even care who he is. So we need to be praying for, because that's the way the Bible instructs us, that we are to love our enemies. How do we do it? We pray for them. And that may be a tough thing to do. You may have done it already. But once you're there, once you pray for your enemy, you're not physically in front of them now. This is after the fact. We can hold a grudge or we can do what Christ instructs us, and that is to pray for them and therefore love them. And then there was another part, and I, I heard this, I think, from uh, a sermon, uh, it might have been on the radio, that uh, uh, David Jeremiah was, was preaching, that in the end times, that there will be a falling away. And we may look at that as uh, a falling away from the Word, that people just don't want to acknowledge anything spiritual anything spiritual, or they're acknowledging something that for them is spiritual, but it has nothing to do with this book. Nothing to do. And we know all the religions that are out there. You know, uh, only Christ died, was buried, crucified, buried, and rose again. Only Christ. But he went on to say, and I think if you read the scripture on this, it, it's, it's quite relevant, that in the end times, with this falling away, while there'll be people that just don't care about God's word, that this is speaking to professing Christians, wherever they are, whether they're professing Christians that are saved, whether they're professing Christians that uh, are not saved, that there will be a falling away, less and less interest in God's word, less and less interest in coming to church, in fellowshipping together, having any discussion whatsoever. And there's a word for that. And it starts with A. Anybody know what that is? Apostasy. Apostasy. That there will be a falling away from professing Christians. 
And we don't think about that every day, right? We may never think about that. But that's a fact. And it's a fact because God's Word says so. So today, uh, as we move beyond, and I'm going to introduce it, and then I'm going to come back in a bit, uh, we're going to talk about what is referred to in Scripture as the similitudes, the similitudes, uh, which comes right after the Beatitudes. What does similitude mean? Well, in King James, it means an exact facsimile, an exact facsimile. It also can mean a likeness or resemblance to. But before we begin, I want to, I want to make us aware of something that, we sh that should not go unnoticed. When Jesus taught the disciples and us and everyone he ever addressed, he made it very simple. Very simple. Nothing complicated. So I talk about this often. There's a lot in these 66 books. I don't know how often any of us pick this book up and we read what's in it. Maybe we read a couple verses that go with some devotions. Uh, I won't ask for a show of hands, but I'll ask the question. How many have ever read through the entire Bible cover to cover? You don't have to raise your hand. But think about that. Uh, someone challenged me that years ago. It was actually a customer of mine. Don't even, and they were Christians, Christian family. And it was two sons and a, and a dad. And uh, I always loved talking to the dad because you could talk to him about anything. And uh, somehow it came up in a conversation. And he just, the one son, just flat out asked me, did I ever read through the Bible? And embarrassed, I said, no, I have been all through the Bible, you know, different verses, chapters at a time. So it bothered me. It bothered me enough that I read through the Bible. You know, I can't remember how long it took uh, at that point in time, uh, maybe, maybe a little bit more than a year. And I've told you before that depending on what devotion you use, uh, the, the daily bread is in the back. You'll see that there are so many chapters every day. And if you here's the hard part. It's several chapters a day. If you want to do it in a year, you don't have to, but if you wanted to, you're talking probably four or five chapters a day. So in your busy world, if you miss a day, you have to come back and reread it. So that was many years ago I did that. And I was glad I did. And I know that there are people that have read through the Bible many times. And it gives you a different perspective on the Bible when you read from cover to cover. If anyone has read that, read the Bible cover to cover, can you say amen? It gives you a different perspective. So last year I got a, a Bible that was set up differently from one of the ministries. And it was set up so that every day it was verses from a couple chapters from the Old Testament. Uh, it could be verses, depending on where you're at. Uh, and then maybe a chapter or part of a chapter of the New Testament. Some verses from Psalms and some verses from Proverbs. And that was every single day for a year. And I did that for the full year. That was just last year. And I'm glad I did that. That was the second time I did that. So I just encourage you, if you've never done it, 
Uh, A, it will keep you in God's word. I promise you it will keep you in God's word, but it will be work. And you might even feel a little bit convicted when you miss a day and maybe a little bit angry at yourself because you realize, wow, now I got to read about seven or eight or nine chapters today. It makes you stick with it. But you will see God's kingdom, his promises, uh, how much he loved Israel with they got it wrong so many times, so many times. And yet he forgave them. He gave them the ability to come back over and over and over again. Does he do that for us? He most certainly does. Uh, so simplicity, as complex as this can be in all that's in the Bible, simplicity is, was Christ's teaching to us. So the definition of simple can mean many things. It can mean, uh, primarily it means uncomplicated. Do we like things uncomplicated, don't I love things uncomplicated. Do you? I love things uncomplicated. There's enough complications in the world. You put your, your feet hit the floor in the morning, complications already started, and you don't even know it yet. Unless, some, unless the coffee maker's broken, and then you know you already, you already started with some complications. But it can also mean uh, naivete, folly, or silliness. But here we want to focus on what Vincent's Word Studies defines as single-hearted loyalty. Single-hearted loyalty. It's the opposite of deceit and guile, error and wandering. Anybody wander here? Raise your hand if you've ever wandered. I wander every day. Every day, the mind just... And he is referring to 2 Corinthians 11.3, which says, But I fear lest by any means, listen carefully, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the, say it, simplicity that is in Christ. For he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might bear well with them. Please note that Paul says simplicity, never complicated. As an example of this, and maybe the best, in his, that is Jesus' simplification of the Ten Commandments, Jesus reduced all Ten Commandments Let's stand. I want you to read these Ten Commandments with me. I won't make you stand again until you have to do the hymn. Ready? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor the father and mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And thou shalt not covet. You can be seated. He condensed those ten commandments into two. 
You've heard it many times from this pulpit. I think the pastor just mentioned it uh, in the last Sunday or two. And I just heard it again this morning uh, watching one of the, uh, the ministries on TV. In Matthew 22, 34 through 40, uh, Christ says, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question. Don't take anything by that pause, by the way. Tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two hang all the law and prophets. Not one other aspect uh, of Christ's teaching, as we can see in the Beatitudes, everything on our part as followers of Jesus requires action, action from us. Let me repeat that again, because I didn't read that right. Note, please note, one other aspect of Christ's teaching that we can see in the Beatitudes. And you'll see an example in John 14, 15. Christ says, if ye love me, keep my commandments. Action. In 1 John 1, 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In many cases, through all this simplicity, it's requiring action on our part. We are not to accept Christ as Lord and Savior and do nothing. Nothing to grow ourselves. Nothing to help others. We should always be ready to say a kind word or to do a kind deed. And by doing so, we are a witness for Christ and doing His kingdom work. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 7. Not everyone that saith unto me, listen to these words carefully. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. You know, a lot of people that I know that most of you have had someone come to you and say in a conversation about heaven that they're going to heaven because they are a what? A good person. I think we've all heard it many times. That's an opening to have a conversation. Unfortunately, it won't be a short one. So it may be you plant a seed as best you can, uh, unless you have a listening ear, and then, and then you have an opportunity to witness to somebody. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have, not pro have we not prophesied in thy name? Can you hear, can you hear the pleading? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. What do you think will be going through the minds of any individual who stands there and utters these words and hears those words back? Whew. I never knew you. Depart from me, 
ye that work iniquity. I don't think we want to find ourselves there. That's why I put this verse in here. Just, just as, a, as a caution to not take for granted what it is that Christ did for us at Calvary. If you think about the DVD this morning, I hope that that really, really touched you this morning because He is so faithful to us. How many times have we wandered away and come back? How many times have we just lost interest and we came back? Did He take us back? Was He ever not faithful to us? How unbelievable is that? This is why we are to love our enemies. We are not to take these things lightly. You know, this is why faith and works. You've heard those sermons many, many times. It can't be just works. It can't be just works. You can't work your way into heaven. You can't. It has to be works because of your faith, as it says in James. You want to do good things. You want to treat other people kindly. You want to love your enemy and pray for them because of what Christ did for us at Calvary. And again, keeping the simplicity of Jesus' teachings, he goes on in Matthew 7 and presents an easy-to-understand lesson about two foundations. I'd forgotten about this. This is in researching this for this morning. Uh, this came up somewhere. I thought, wow, this is excellent. That's the Holy Spirit working, right? Amen? Matthew 7, 24, 29, jumping ahead, way ahead. Uh, Therefore, whoso heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And then the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings that people were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. That's a simple analogy that we can all understand, right? Build your house on a firm foundation and it's going to withstand all the elements, everything that the weather pattern can throw at it. You build it on sand, it's gone. Every time, I always ask this question, every time there's a major hurricane and we're getting into that hurricane season right about now, uh, anything that hits a coastal area, it begs the question, why do people build their house so close to the ocean? Why? Or if you're in a river valley, keyword valley, if, it's, if it rains up there, where's all that water going, right? And there's a river down in the bottom. Uh, eventually, you build close enough, uh, your structure is gone, especially if it's on sand. 
So, it, again, a very simple analogy to understand. Christ's teachings were so simple. I'm reading this book, uh, The Promise Code, by Dr. O.S. Hawkins. Uh, and I wanted to just read something that he says here, just to underscore the point this morning. And he's talking about Romans 8.28, a great verse. And this, by the way, this is the very first chapter of, of this book. It says uh, in Romans 8.28, we all know, we know, we know, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those are, who are called according to His purpose. Simple verse, right? We can read it again and again. Say, yeah, I got it, I got it, I got it. Romans 8.28, we hear it all the time. It's one of the great verses. I'm going to read just a couple things that he says here. Uh, he says... The promise is conditional in its application. Here we go with action. However, before you claim it as your own, look closer. This promise is conditional in its application. It is given exclusively to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. It is not for everyone. This is not a blanket on conditional promise. It is for those who love God. And he goes on to say a little bit further, love is something you do. In the Bible, love is always equated with action. For God so loved that He gave. Is that conditional? Right? And as we read before, if ye love me, keep my commandments. John framed it thus, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, loving God and abiding in his will according to your purpose, my purpose, his purpose, is the condition by which the truth of this promise comes to our hearts. I thought that was... Uh, uh, very apropos. And then, like I said, when you're researching something for a sermon, as the Holy Spirit works, if you let Him, these things all come into play. You know, you realize something you heard, something you read, that is, is quite apropos to the moment. Okay, so here we go. Quickly. Let's get back to the similitudes. Jesus says in Matthew 5.13, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Here Jesus keeps with simplicity in using something, especially of that day, that everyone could understand. Salt. Today when we think of salt, we mostly think about it pretty much as something to enhance the flavor of our food. Right, Murph? Uh, unless, unless you are taking medications for something and then you probably don't want to be taking too much sodium, right? Uh, but uh, maybe if you have a water softener, you get those big bags of salt and you put that in there to keep your water nice and, and uh, so it's not hard and, uh, and, and all that. You may regard it as a preservative also for cured meats like bacon, 
corned beef, jerky, pastrami, prosciutto, pancetta, and also many attributes of salt for our health. Not just bad. There's many things in salt that are actually good for our health. Not going there. Don't need to. In biblical times, preserving and seasoning were two things most thought about. In this verse, Jesus says, we are the salt of the earth. He goes on to say that if the salt loses its flavor, that it is good for nothing and to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. In that day, and I think I read somewhere where maybe it's the Dead Sea, uh, and, but with very few exceptions, that the salt can lose its, its flavor. But in most cases, you pull salt out of the cupboard that's been there for years. Is it still salty? Can it still enhance your food? Yes, it can. But back then, they would, might take some of that salt that was no good, and they would put it on the footpaths to keep all the weeds down. So, as it enhances the flavor of food, we, as salt, can also use it to influence the lives of others, saved and unsaved, but by what we say, what we do, and how we treat others, it will all have some impact. This will lead to opportunities to share the message. How best can we do this? A great place to start, if you haven't, when you want to witness to somebody, is your own personal testimony. I assure you that when you give your own personal testimony how you came to faith, that you are going to have listening ears because it becomes a very personal thing. If someone sees your kindness in your actions, they're going to wonder why you are different. Are we to be different in this world today as Christians? A little bit different or a lot different? A lot different where we might be persecuted and spoken of harsh, spoken of and at harshly? Yeah, yes. But uh, it can also be used, and, and this is my final comment on salt. We don't need to go into this too, too much. Uh, salt can also be used to preserve, just like we said, the meats. And there's a verse in Colossians 4, 6 that says... Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Isn't that an interesting verse? So we're supposed to be graceful, but we're supposed to season that grace, that conversation maybe that we're having with somebody, with salt. That salt doesn't mean like salt in the wound, we're supposed to rub it in, right? doesn't mean that at all in that verse. It means that we are to influence in a positive way that person, but also at the same time by doing that, we are to be steadfast in our faith, not to be swayed by others. Uh, I, I heard uh, this morning, uh, Dr. Jeremiah was talking about cancel culture, and, and you hear it all the time. It's, it's the new term, but it's very real. People don't want to have a conversation. Just don't. They just shut you down. Don't want to hear what you have to say. 
It doesn't matter. And that's that. Uh, and we live in that world today. So it's important in this cancel culture that we have that saltiness to preserve ourselves from that perspective, that, to remain steadfast. But when we are talking to other people, always keep that grace, that graceful nature, because we are witnessing for God's kingdom. Verse 9, second similitude. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, which is a basket, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Is that simple to understand? If I had a stand here and a a candlestick, I think there's a picture of it coming up. Here we go. Uh, and I, I cover that with something and the light is gone. Is that something? It, it's, it almost, it's so simple. It's like, it doesn't make any sense. Of course I'm not going to do that. But guess what? If we're that light, if that's us and, and, and what we are supposed to be doing, we're supposed to be light, kind, graceful, spreading God's kingdom work. If we were to cover that, we're accomplishing nothing. What do, what do we, how are we living our Christian life if we cover it? This is why Christ makes it so simple to understand. Almost where you say, that's crazy. Would never cover a candle. Why would I do that? Well, the analogy is that if we're not spreading God's kingdom by what we do, how we treat other people, we are essentially putting a basket over that candle. Can you understand that? In that simplicity, absolutely. Absolutely we can. And one other thing, when it comes to light, and you can see it in the background of the picture, the opposite of light is what? Darkness. Darkness. What's associated with darkness? Evil, right? All the negative things that we can read in in God's Word. We don't want to... We don't want to be in darkness. This is why the light can, in, in, in pitch blackness, can one, so think as pitch blackness as the evil of the world, can one candle, or back in a day, in, it was probably an oil lamp, right? With one little tiny flame in a pitch black room or outside, can that little light sh- shed light on a, on, a, on a broad area? It absolutely can. You may say, that little flame, what's that going to do? We're that little flame. Don't let Satan hold you down by that kind of negative thought. And don't think that your little flame can't help light the world. And it's evil. And it's not getting any better. A couple verses. And God said, right from the very First verses in Genesis, in God's creation. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light. And it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the day, the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening 
and the morning were the first day. Right from the very first verse. David said in Psalm 27.1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So when you're a little flame that we are, and we're out there giving God's word, and we're a little fearful about what someone may say, or they may treat us, don't be fearful. David says it right here in Psalms. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And in John 1, 4 through 5, it says, In Him was life. This is Christ. Christ is the light. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. Not just darkness, like I can't see where I'm going. I'm going to walk into the wall. I'm going to walk into a tree. I'm not going to walk in evil. But shall have the light of life. I've got some other verses here. But in the interest of time, I'm going to let them go. I think you've got the point this morning. Uh, and I, something that, that uh, I want to end with that I thought was very, very interesting. Uh, again, these things come up as, as you're thinking, as the Holy Spirit leads you. Uh, we sang, and it was, see, I, this is how I know the Holy Spirit works. Think of the first uh, praise hymn we, thang, we sang this morning. What was it? Joy. Is that something everybody sang in Sunday school and Bible school? Absolutely. So here's the next one. This little light of mine. Let's, I'll tell you what. I think, let's sing that, let's sing that, and I'll give you the next one. That, and there's four, four verses, I think. And actually, if you, if you Google this or YouTube, you'll see there's different versions of this. Uh, I, I kind of remember the one that uh, I sang sitting, maybe those benches, maybe those benches. Can't you just see me about yay high sitting here singing this? Can't you? Can't you just envision that? Wish I could. Wish I could at this point. All right, here we go. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. And the next one that, and we'll end on this one. Hide it under a bushel, and don't forget to shout out, no. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hope I took you back a little bit. Morning.